Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, it's your Christmas Grinch Spearsy here. And Rad B. And today we take a long overdue look at Christmas specials in the 80s. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, young lady. Merry Christmas, brother. Oh, you know, you knew it was me all the time, didn't you? Uh Uh-huh. Well, Merry Christmas, sis. Merry Christmas, everybody. Joining us today... Pee-wee Herman had the king of cartoons. We have the king of television with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Pajaro. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, we loved uh, having you on that one show. We did the, uh, what was it? TV shows that became movies, movies that became TV shows. Yes. My beloved Blue Thunder. That started me on that Alien Nation marathon that that I'm still not completely all the way through yet. Maybe break it up a little bit with Stranger Things Season 2. Come on. Don't forget, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. And I want to tell you, the all-new CLNS Media website has launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and also 40-plus other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We're still the lifestyles, right, Steve? This show might be an exception. We are also so excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking this episode out at clnsmedia.com. That's clnsmedia.com. Nine o'clock. IBC presents America's favorite family in a special Christmas episode. Hi, Mom. Where's Dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, I know your father is out chasing beaver. Father loves beaver. Here on IBC, you'll love it. So when this year started, we swore one of our New Year's resolutions was going to be more TV content. And in all fairness, this season has two more TV show episodes than any previous uh, season of Stuck I, I in the 80s. I think we doubled, easily doubled our normal output. Yeah. So, but, but here we are, you know, uh, mired again in the stagnation of winter. And I just felt like we've never talked about the Christmas specials that um, were so much a part of growing up in the 80s. That is true. That is true. And not not just the ones you remember from when you were a kid, but the ones you have forgotten because they did not quite aspire to classic status. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason why we're forgetting them. Are you sure you want to go back and bring them up? Well, I'm we not- do it every week. Hey, I spent uh, a good hour of my time today watching my assigned special, so I'm damn well going to talk about it. <laughs> so... so- so here's how it's going to go. Uh, we're going to each cover our assigned uh, 1980s era Christmas special. And then uh, after the break, after we do Seggies, we're going to come back and talk about some of our all-time favorite 
holiday specials that not, weren't necessarily uh, produced in the 80s, but certainly we enjoyed them in the 80s. Sound good? I'm on board. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Brad, what is your Christmas special of the 80s? Steve, Mike, I want to share with you today my thoughts about 1988's Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse. Do you think we should start decorating the playhouse for Christmas? Decorations? Oh, no. I was so busy making up my list for Santa Claus, I completely forgot. No, we don't have any decorations, because I was only thinking of myself. Christmas is the time we should be thinking of what we can do for others. I wish I hadn't been so selfish. Wish? Did somebody say wish? I did, Jombie. I forgot to get decorations for the playhouse. You think you can help me out? Sure, Pee-wee. Is that what you'd like to wish for? Well, not really. I'd like to use my wish later for something really special. I was kind of hoping maybe it'd give me an extra wish. An extra wish? You want an extra wish? What do you think this is? Christmas? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. So Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse. I queued this up just this morning, actually, and watched it while I enjoyed some delicious coffee. This counts as only one of three episodes from the 1988 Writer's Strike shortened season. This is one-third of the whole season here. It is an hour long, and I would describe it as a Pee-wee's Playhouse episode blended with a variety show and stretched out to an hour. And it's amazing. You should watch it. I had a lot of fun watching it. Where can we watch it? Is it on YouTube or what? It is on YouTube. If you're feeling like you don't want to watch it that way, you can pick up a DVD for under $10 on Amazon. But it opens up with a Marine choir, you know, in full dress and, and goes from there. The guest list is startling. Let me give you the the celebrity guest list. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Okay. We got Annette Funicello, (laughs) Frankie Avalon, Charo, the Del Rubio triplets, Whoopi Goldberg, Magic Johnson, Grace Jones, K.D. Lang, Little Richard, Joan Rivers, Dinah Shore, Oprah Winfrey, and Zsa Zsa Gabor, billed as Princess Zsa Zsa. Zsa Zsa, over here, dear. Well, hello, Condessa, darling. I was looking for you all over. Shasha, you remember Pee-wee? Of course, hello, Pee-wee. Kiss, mwah. Merry Christmas, darling. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Shasha, darling. Pee-wee, I love you. Then why don't you marry me? <laughs> oh, my God, wow. that sounds like a train wreck. Oh, it is the most delightful train wreck you will ever watch in the guise of a Christmas special. It sounds like the best Love Boat episode ever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I That's can, what I was thinking. Too. As you said each name, I could see their faces inside the life preserver graphic You know that we became so used to seeing at the opening credits of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. So it's, you know, it's kind of what you would expect. It's an episode of Pee Wee with all of the kind of surreal shenanigans that happened in that show. And then you just kind of overlay some Christmas and uh, take it from there. So is it the same set or is it a variety show set? It's the same set. It's decorated for Christmas. Actually, and I, I forgot, there's an unbilled guest who shows up too. Cher shows up to to uh, <laughs> uh, help us reveal what the secret word is that day. Cher, what are you doing here? Well, Pee-wee, I just came by to see what today's secret word is. <laughs> secret word? <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> Cocky. Share with us, I don't know what today's secret word is. Sure. 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 
secret word is here. Ah! I think the best the best use of celebrities in this was Magic Johnson, who shows up in Magic Screen. Oh. You know how he would go into the Magic Screen? Sure. Uh, Pee Wee would. And so he's you know doing his thing, and he says, look, it's Magic Johnson. What are you doing in the Magic Screen? And he just looks at him and says, Magic Screen and I are cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just, it just sounds like a groan fest. Yeah, but it's fun. I don't know. I, it it harkens to a simpler time, that's for sure. Was, uh, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. Mike, were you a fan of Pee Wee in general in the eighties? Not a strong fan. I never quite got it. Um, as I got older, I started to appreciate it a little bit more. But it was a little creepy to me. Yeah, even back then, I was like, "What's going on?" Like, I recognized that there was something wrong with this person. It was very surreal yeah. and intentionally so. Yeah. I used to watch it with my friends, like in college. We would wake up, at, you know, my roommates or whatever. We'd be hungover from a night of frivolity and goodwill <laughs> towards men and women, and um, we'd be really hungover. And and it, so I, I always just so in my mind, I equate Pee Wee with a dire need to drink Gatorade and consume Advil. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Well, there are a lot worse things you could associate with that man. That's all I'm saying. I just, it's just so to me, it's like it, it's like it's it's one and the same with pain and suffering. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I could bring this bring that back for you today. Uh, there is one other little section of it I want to mention. There's this running fruitcake gag, right? Like, oh no, everyone brought Pee Wee a fruitcake. What's he going to do with this stuff? And about two thirds of the way through, one of his recurring characters comes in and it's like, "Oh, I brought you a fruitcake," and he's like, "Oh, Merry Christmas!" And she just looks into the camera and says, "I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm Jewish." And they segue into this. <laughs> come on, folks! She literally says, "Come on, folks! It's the Hanukkah part of the show. Let's sing the Hanukkah song." And they <laughs> sing the dreidel song, and she gives Pee Wee a dreidel, and of course, he spins it on the floor. And here's the surreal, you know, back to the surrealist. It goes into the hole in the wall, and. It turns out the claymation dinosaur family are also Jewish because they're hanging Hanukkah decorations and they play with the dreidel. Like that was weird, but uh, you know it was a nice little nod to other other traditions that also happen at this time of year. Cool. Did they have any talking Christmas trees or anthropomorphic Christmas objects? Uh, talking menorah? No, nothing. Uh, no, nothing new. I mean, chair, cherry, and Terry, and the usual cast of characters, but no special Christmas talkers that i remember i'm a little disappointed yeah well i think they had to get this thing they spend all that money on jaja they princess jaja i'm sorry yes princess jaja so mike what is your uh, 80s christmas special you're going to honor today well i think honor is a strong word the holidays are a time to celebrate but i'm gonna bring the room down a little bit and talk about alf's special christmas on the 82nd day of christmas my true love gave to me 82 cats of frying, 81 cats of broiling, 80 cats of baking, Enough, 79 Alf. cats of toasting, 78 cats of boiling, Enough. 77 cats of sizzling, 76 cats of poaching. Fine. Not only are we spending Christmas in some desolate cabin with no running water, we're not allowed to sing. You can sing, just don't sing about you know what. What? Roasting cats. <laughs> I didn't say roasting. I said frying, boiling, baking. You know what we mean. Right, right. No cat songs. Let me start by saying that uh, in the 80s, I am not embarrassed to tell you that I was a big fan of ALF. I am, however, a little embarrassed to share with you that I'm sitting in Brad's den with the original stuffed ALF that I bought 30 years ago. 
So we have Alf <laughs> I, as a co-host. I, here. I can vouch for that. Wow. I'm terrified. Yeah. What's what's our safe word again? <laughs> the, where I push the button and you get the cops over here in 30 seconds. This special aired on December 14th, 1987. Uh, so it's celebrating its 30th year anniversary this week. Delightful. What a great choice. Yes. So I thought it was very apropos. So it aired as a special one-hour episode of ALF. And in the story, the Tanner family decides that they want to spend a traditional holiday Christmas out in a cabin in the woods. And they drive out there. And ALF winds up opening up everyone's Christmas presents, telling everyone what they have, then rewrapping them and signing his name to all the gifts. He brings in some poison oak into the cabin, thinking that's Christmas holly, which infects uh, the, the father, and who's just furious and basically winds up throwing Alf out of the cabin, telling him that he has absolutely no idea what Christmas is all about. Running water would come in handy now, wouldn't it, Wilco? You don't understand, do you? You just you don't understand anything about Christmas, do you? You think it's just opening presents and being a general nuisance. Honey, I don't think well, isn't it time? Right isn't now. it about time that he had a little consideration for the rest of us? Now take that poison oak and dump it way out in the woods. So a lot of things happen, and Alf winds up going to the local hospital where he befriends an eight-year-old girl who is dying. Oh my god! Oh, now wait a minute. If this were any other 80s show, she would need $5,000 for a special operation to make her better. Then Alf would enter a talent show, earn the money, and everyone would have a Merry Christmas. But they make it absolutely clear that this girl is not going to live to see another Christmas. They are very blatant about that. Wow. Jeez. So Alf befriends her. Uh, he is talking to her, and he tells her that you know he's a being from another world. She shares that very soon she's going to be moving on to another world, and she's very scared to go there. Oh, oh my God. Holy smokes. She draws a picture of herself with Alf and draws herself wearing angel wings. Oh, so this is just one thing after another of Alf <laughs> trying to oh, talk to Oh, my Lord. And were there, like, McDonald's commercials airing in the middle of this? <laughs> it is rough. Alf, do you want to know a secret? If you want to tell me. I'm going to have to move on to another world, too. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. And I'm afraid to go, Alf. I know I'm not supposed to be afraid, but I can't help it. It's all right, Tiffany. It's all right to be afraid. You know, maybe in the next world that I'm going to, I'll have Christmas all year round. Could be. And everyone will want to be my friend. I know they will. And maybe... Everyone will be just like you, Alf. Well, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. <laughs> I love you, Alf. I love you too, Tiffany. Oh. So that's just the A story. The B story involves the hospital Santa Claus, who is played by Cleveland Little. Do you know that name? No. You know the actor. So that was the new sheriff in town in Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. So arguably one of the funniest movies ever made. His role is a little less comical in Alf. So in <laughs> Alf's special Christmas, 
His wife died two weeks ago, and he is now giving away all of his possessions so that he can go kill himself. And Alf <laughs> literally has to talk him down off a bridge. Are you, this is you're just you're just pulling our leg. You're making this up. You're I, making this up. I wish I were. And you know why I can't go on anymore. Margaret is gone. I'm sorry. You feel like you lost your whole world. Believe me, I could relate. But you have unfinished business here. There are people you're leaving behind who still need you. And if you know anything about Christmas, George, you'd know this. Christmas is not about what you can get, but what you can give of yourself. A little girl taught me that not so long ago. And I don't know where she got it. You're a good man, Foley. And I can't afford to lose you. So let's get this truck on the road. Come on. Got things to do. So this is the uh, the Alf Holiday. So you got a little It's a Wonderful Life touch, but without the actual good part. Oh. Everyone's already dead anyway. Oh, th- right. This is horrible. And, and just to make it, just put the little icing on the cake there. So you have a dying eight-year-old girl, a suicidal Santa. At the end of the episode, finally, when it's all over and you think you're done, they bring up a slate that says, dedicated to the memory of our friend, Tiffany Lee Smith, 1979 to 1987. So the girl was based on a real-life eight-year-old girl who died. Merry Christmas, everybody. I don't know what to say. My mouth is just unhinged. My jaw has dropped so far. What the... Oh my gosh! Like, this this is the negative side effects of too much cocaine in the network offices. This is it is it was brutal. This is crazy. I mean, this is the one hour today where I thought there was a pretty good chance I'd be able to make it through without like sobbing into my hands. <laughs> and you've taken that from me, Mike. You stole it. Like, Alf in, in Christmas has stolen my one hour of sanctuary. This is like Scrooge level television programming. Oh, it is. Oh, I will forbid God. Steve from watching this because I don't think you could handle it. <laughs> But um, I, I do encourage you to just go, just Google the, the show and look at the reviews that people have written over the past few years. They are spectacular. Uh, one person said that if Alf's special Christmas aired every year the way other Christmas specials did, society would no longer exist. <laughs> so it is, it is an amazing hour of television. That sounds amazing. It sounds like the right word for this. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna die. That's, oh. Don't die, man. Just like Tiffany. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> it's been 30 years. Okay, okay. Oh, that's well. just horrible. I don't know. Oh, man. I would love to know the ba- more of the backstory there. I would love to know, like... <sighs> the truth behind the like, Elf Christmas you know, special. Yeah. Somebody somebody heard this idea and thought it was a good idea and hit the green light or they, they did a strip switch at the last second or something like that. Because, I mean, that just sounds so inconceivable. So... Steve, it's up to you. Only you can save us. Save from, Christmas. Oh, save geez, Christmas. It's all resting on you. It's all on this one throw of the dice. So here's the deal. What do you got for okay. us? I'm here to represent He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. Oh, oh I, I don't think I feel well. Well, I think you're feeling the Christmas spirit, Skeletor. It makes you feel good. Well, I don't like to feel good. I like to feel evil. Oh. 
Don't worry, Skeletor. Christmas only comes once a year. Mm, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're joking. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm not. You know, when we started the show, I sat here pretty smug in the idea that I had the most interesting uh, holiday special to talk about. And now that's been stolen from me <laughs> with the, the memory of a dying eight or nine year old girl, eight years old, nine years old. Eight years Jeez. old. That's so bad. So that's fantastic. So now, so now, so now I'm stuck here defending a cartoon. <laughs> that I, anyway, uh, He-Man and Masters of the Universe. You know, are there any fans here of, of that particular I'm universe? A little old for that one. Me too. Yeah, same, same here. The only reason I picked it was I, it's been popping up in my YouTube queue a lot lately. And so I thought, why not? How bad could it possibly be? <laughs> Echo. Tell us. Echo. Echo. <laughs> so it was originally broadcast back in December 1985. And I'm going to try to tell you the plot now, okay? It's an hour-long show. I watched it today. It goes in a thousand different directions. I have tried to focus the plot down on, like, a couple <laughs> of key storylines. But there are, in this particular special, there are things that are obviously Transformers. There's a group of people that look like they're straight out of the Barney, the dinosaur universe. There's um, all sorts of crazy uh, Door of the Explorer kind of moments. But I have, I have crystallated it into a, a very brief plot summary. Here we go. Everyone on Eternia, which of course is He-Man's home planet, is decorating for Prince Adam and Prince Adora's birthday which just coincidentally happened to look exactly like Christmas decorations. And, of course, their birthday happens to fall on the, the uh, season known as winter on Earth. Huh, that's convenient. Meanwhile, Adam, a.k.a. He-Man, <laughs> which no one can figure out, and his uh, faithful companion known as Man-at-Arms are finishing up work on a what they call a Sky Spy, basically like a spy airplane rocket that they're going to use to spy on Skeletor. Hmm. Orko, sort of the uh, comic relief gremlin of the show, uh, accidentally breaks into the rocket and sets it off, launching it into the sky. He tries to cast a magic spell to to have it land, but instead it automatically goes across the universe and crash lands onto Earth. <laughs> nice. Coincidentally, next to two human uh, Earth children who are out looking for a Christmas tree. So to make a long story short, the Earth Children and Orko have to be brought back to Eternia, where Skeletor's crew wants to capture them so that the goodness of Christmas won't take hold on their planet. So wow. is this Orko's story more than He-Man's? It is almost. He-Man is just there as like, uh, I'm here to rescue you. Orko gets far more screen time than He-Man. It should be called the Orko Christmas special. Needless to say, the, the adorable children in their Christmas spirit temporarily managed to uh, convert Skeletor to a good guy and he helps He-Man <laughs> and She-Ra save the kids and return them to Earth. So that's how Christmas first came to Eternia. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, but the spirit of the Christmas season is within us all. It's a season of love and joy and caring. And presents. <laughs> presents are nice, Orko, but Christmas means much more than that. I know, Adam. Christmas is a time of peace and caring and happiness. That's right, Orko. And what would make you happiest this Christmas? Presents. <laughs> oh, Orko. <laughs> hmm. 
you know, here's something I will say about that. I was kind of expecting a Christmas special in which Christmas didn't exist, right? I'm thinking doesn't exist. the Star Wars Christmas special, right? right? But they figured out a way, tortured though it may be, they figured out a way to get Christmas to Eternia. So, I, you know, a little, I'll give them a little respect for that. Yeah. There's even a Christmas song. <gasps> really? There is. Can you sing some of it for us? That was spectacular. I feel better already. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what's creepiest about this. There are two kids on Earth who are allowed to go into the forest alone to chop down a Christmas tree. Suspect. <laughs> or that He-Man and She-Ra call each other brother and sis constantly in this show to the point where you start to wonder what the hell is going on up there in Eternia. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, young lady. Merry Christmas, brother. Oh, you know, you knew it was me all the time, didn't you? Uh-huh. Well, Merry Christmas, sis. Yeah, three words. <laughs> run, run, run. I got two words for you. Are you ready for it? The, the Seggies. Wow, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. We got a letter today from. Hey, you remember that nostalgia show we did? It seems like we did it a year ago, but it was only about a month or I'm so. I'm very ago. nostalgic for our nostalgia show. I forget which one Isn't it was. Every show a nostalgic show when it's stuck in the 80s? By, Don't it's trifle very, me with details. <laughs> it's, it's the whole brother sister Eternia thing that's screwing your head up right now, Mike. You just have to get past it. Ah, that's it. Uh, we got a letter this week from Michelle in Springfield. Brad, why don't you do the honors? Michelle writes Hey, Stephen Brad. I've been a little behind on the podcast. Yeah, me too, Michelle. And getting caught up. So I just listened to episode 428, Songs About Nostalgia. You included many of my favorites, especially Forever Young by Alphaville. But I can't believe you didn't discuss the roots of the song. It was written about the Cold War and the threat of nuclear war. They seem to be pining for dying young because the thought of getting old without a future is too depressing. That seems even too Spearsonian for you, Steve. <laughs> See, now, Michelle, that's why we didn't discuss it. I can't have the host of the show committing suicide live on the air. <sighs> Michelle continues, You missed another great choice, Young and Innocent by Elefante from the St. Elmo's Fire soundtrack. If these lyrics don't scream nostalgia, I don't know what does. And as cheesy as it was, St. Elmo's Fire embodied the concept of looking back and not being ready to move forward. Can I read the lyrics? <laughs> Steve, I think you should read the lyrics. <laughs> I, t- I just I like reading lyrics. I don't know why. I just want to make sure that you're still alive. <clears throat> this yeah, letter. So I'm, I'm, drinking, I'm not even drinking bourbon today. So drinking green tea, trying to get my voice back. Here we go. <laughs> Young and Innocent by Elefante. I want that feeling back again so that we can be young and innocent when nothing mattered but the moment we were in. Let's shut our eyes and pretend. And maybe once again... We can be young and innocent, though maybe yesterday is gone. The things we shared were never wrong. There you go. I could see how that would speak to you, Spearsy. Yep. Those are good. That's good lyrics. Those are good lyrics. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember that, but I'll have to look it up and uh, give it a spin. 
spin up that soundtrack. Michelle wraps up. And there are now a host of more current songs that wax nostalgic for our favorite decade. Two of my favorites that make me sing along and just put a smile on my face are 1985 by Bowling for Soup and 19-something by Mark Willis. Take a listen if you haven't heard them. Still here and still preoccupied with 1985, Michelle in Springfield. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. That Bowling for Soup song is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I I think we used it on the very first. Even if it does sting a little bit. I think think we used it as the closing song for the first episode of Stuck in the 80s, actually. You have to go back and listen. Oh. You mean after the beep boop, 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 that's under the whole thing stops? I don't remember. Now you're stretching my mind a little bit. Uh, I'm just mocking you a little. As always, we love the the letters. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. Uh, alas, the new uh, theme song of our latest segi, I Want My Mystery TV Theme Song. How appropriate that it appears in this episode. Uh, it's you know that, like we planned it or something. Yeah, we did not. To, to, to ever accuse us of planning is just wrong and criminal. You know the, the drill by now. We'll play a snippet of a theme song from an 80s TV show. If you know it, you email us in and we will choose a winner to get the free Stuck in the 80s bottle opener. Uh, pay attention. Here was our clip from the last time. That's Perfect Strangers. The harmonica gives it away, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And as I say every week, I don't think I've ever seen a single episode of this, but I recognize the theme song. Oh, I, I watch this show. I mean, not not every not every episode, but I'm I'm familiar with it. It was too- Mike. You familiar with this particular program? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I can't do the accent, but I know the line. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know that he's from Meepos. I know that they, they're cousins. Yep. They live they live in Chicago. That's half the reason I wanted to watch it. I think he works for a newspaper, doesn't he? Cousin Larry. So uh, anyway, Brad, we had some winners, right? We did. We did. We didn't fool very many people with this one. But nevertheless, let's read those winners. This week's winners include Joseph Perdue. So, Steve, you ever wonder why his name is always first? Because he emails first? Because he emails first. Exactly. I think Joseph is like downloading on Sundays, just sitting there. Anyway, other winners <laughs> this week include Frank from Indiana, Lorna, a.k.a. Mrs. Tim from Toadsuck, Jay Swash in Beaver Creek, Tom Corn in Austria, Dave Augie August, Peter Ryan, Jeff Brox in Indiana, Alan Titus, Canuck and Kelly, Heather Brown from Tennessee, Ryan the Pirate King, Gail in D.C., Aaron Shirley in Burnaby, British Columbia, and Eric Newell, who writes... That theme can only be from Perfect Strangers. Coincidentally, the very first custom ringtone I ever had on my phone. <laughs> you must have really liked that show. I, I don't know. Eric, we need to talk, brother. Yeah. That's uh, very interesting. Uh, Brad, go ahead and spin the wheel. Let's find out who gets a bottle opener. You know what? I think I'm going to have Mike spin the wheel. All right. How do I do this? Just grab Just it. Grab Just it. Grip, it. grip it firmly. All grip right. It firmly. Here we go.
Uh, it looks like it's going to land on Frank from Indiana. Excellent. Uh, Frank, uh, email us your snail mail address. We'll send you some swag. If you already have a bottle opener, let us know. We'll find something else to send you. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Listen up, 80s Nation. Basketball season is back. And here at Stuck in the 80s, that means we have a special sponsor to help you uh, make the most of the season. It's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win some huge cash prizes every night playing the one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. You could do public contests with huge cash prizes. You could do private leagues. You could do friend leagues. Uh, they've even got beginner and casual contests where you can kind of learn the ropes and kind of get your handle on the whole thing. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day. So here's the deal. Use the special promo code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Don't wait. The special code is CLNS at DraftKings.com to choose your lineup, the game inside the game. What's this? Why, it's a letter for me. Dear Santa. We're not nearly done yet. We promised you no, that sir. Uh, after torturing you with those three horrific uh, holiday specials that were created for us in the 80s, that we would go back and talk about our childhood favorite holiday specials. So, Brad, why don't you kick us off? Oh, my favorite, my all-time favorite, and I'll get to the reason why at the end of my discourse here. My all-time favorite is 1970s Rankin-Bass special, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's the only way they judge you around here. By how many chores you do and how clean your stockings are. Is that so? Well, uh, you don't have to look so gloom about it. Why? I don't know. I just don't like sour faces. Now, I got some real nice goodies for you. But not if you look like this. You better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. Why? I'm telling you why. Yeah? Because I came to town. And look what I brought. Toys! Real toys! Why, sure! Compliments of the Kringles! I have to ask you guys, do you think that this is at least somewhat the inspiration for the movie Elf, in that you have a human raised by elves? Uh, absolutely. Never thought of that before. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It doesn't cover all the territory, but it definitely has some of the foundational stuff there. I, I thought it the, the first time I saw Elf, I was, I was like, I know this story. I've seen this story before. Yeah. The voice talent in this is pretty amazing when you look at it. You got Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney, who's basically Santa Claus and everything, Paul <laughs> Freese, Keenan Wynn. But I want to talk about Roby Lester, who uh, is the voice of Miss Jessica. She had a, a really a, a long and storied career that she didn't get a lot of credit for. 
anybody who's about our age, Steve, would probably recognize her voice from other places because she was the Disneyland story reader on Disney Records. Oh, she yes. read the story, she acted out the parts, and she reminded children to turn the page when they heard Tinkerbell's chimes go in the little booklet that came along with it. In the book Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records, uh, the authors say, it is impossible to calculate how many lives Roby Lester touched by singing, acting, and narrating on more individual Disneyland records than any other performer. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. She also is the singing voice for Ava Gabor's animated characters in The Aristocats and The Rescuers. (laughs) I haven't seen either one of those in eons. We all love The Rescuers, right? I don't know if I ever saw it. Maybe. Really? Bianca? The mouse? No, you don't remember Bianca the mouse? Not really. You don't remember any animated mice. You <laughs> couldn't remember the animated mouse last week either. But the thing that we should really talk about here is the grooviest song in any Rankin Bass special, and that is My World is Beginning Today with the the weird, like animated version of her and the like the the cutout picture of her at the bottom of the fountain that's supposed to be the reflection, which is a super, super clever effect, I think. Super clever black practical effect. I just, I don't think she gets enough love in this, uh, in in this picture. I will say I feel a little bad for Jessica because if you, when you watch this, not if you watch it, when you watch this, you'll notice that she does not speak after she gets married. And when her husband picks one night a year to work, it's their anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) I fear, I fear that Miss Jessica is trapped in a loveless marriage with only Christmas cookies to keep her company. Wow. That's really a- I know. I went spears on you, didn't I? Yeah. But that is not why this is my favorite Christmas special. And Mike Pacharo knows full well why this is my favorite. We discuss this every single year, and it is great. My favorite line of any Christmas special ever released, Alf, He-Man, any of them, is the Winter Warlock saying, as he rides off after breaking out of prison on a reindeer, Oh, I'm not such a loser after all! <laughs> <laughs> You think I've got it's amazing. It's amazing. It's even better than Will Ferrell getting hit by a cab. Wow. That's going to be hard to top. But we have the special guest here to do it. Mike, what is your favorite? I'm so glad Brad picked the show because it's one of my all-time favorites. And uh, specifically, there's a song, uh, Put One Foot in Front of the Other. Yes. And uh, the lyric goes, you know, put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. And in the scene, the Winter War- Warlock is walking through this snow doorway. And my five-year-old brain thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted my own snow doorway. And so I told my father that I wanted this. And for some reason, I didn't want him to know that it was from the TV show because I thought that was stupid, but I wanted it. And I don't think he knew what I was asking for. He said, oh, you want a door for, for a snow fort? But I didn't want the fort. I just wanted the doorway. <laughs> and so, and I didn't know, I didn't have the vocabulary to ask for an arch, which is what, which is what I really wanted. But my father did build a doorway that I could walk through and I would pretend I was the winter warlock. And I never told anybody that it was, but in my mind I was secretly, this is the winter warlock's doorway that that's I'm walking amazing. through. Wow. Oh, Mike, that's a great story. Yes. Oh my gosh. What a, what a amazing memory that is. And, and every year when I, when I watch this special, that is the scene that I, I get excited to look to, to watch. And it brings me joy every year. I feel all warm inside. See, well, I think we just experienced the true meaning of Christmas, Steve. <laughs> I think so. That's what Alf taught me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, dazzle us with uh, with your other pick for a, a favorite holiday classic. Well, I thought that this podcast uh, could talk about something wholesome for a change. So <laughs> I went with a Charlie Brown Christmas. 
I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. Uh, so we all know it, we all love it, and is just probably the definitive holiday classic, beloved by all. It is kind of hard to imagine that it was a controversial show that when it first came out, uh, in the sense that people didn't think it would work. The idea of doing an animated Christmas special, uh, mm-hmm. the networks didn't think that was going to be something that audiences would go for it. Because this predates uh, Grinch, it predates Frosty. Uh, this was the, the first one to do it. And it's a little ironic because the plot of Charlie Brown Christmas is all about how Christmas is too commercialized. Yet the idea for doing a Charlie Brown holiday special actually came from Coca-Cola. What happened is an advertising agency contacted a producer who had worked on doing an unsold documentary about Charles Schultz and said, hey, Coca-Cola wants to sponsor a holiday special. Have you ever thought about doing a Peanuts Christmas? And the producer basically lied to him flat out and said, as a matter of fact, we are thinking about doing that. And Coca-Cola said, great, let's do that. Let's make that happen. And then the suitcase of cash. So the producer had to go to Charles Schultz and say, um, CBS wants to air a Peanuts holiday special. And Charles Schultz said, well, what's that? And they had to make it. He came up with a outline in a day. They made it. When they previewed it, there was a lot of concern. They thought the voice work was too amateurish because Charles Schultz insisted on using children actors. Or not, not children actors. They wanted actual to use actual children. children. They were concerned that the animation was too simple. And believe it or not, they were actually concerned about the music choice, that jazz just didn't really fit in with the holidays. I mean, that soundtrack is one of my favorite bits of Christmas music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listen to that every year quite a bit because it's not another version of Santa Baby. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, the, the classic dance scene with all the kids um, that we've all imitated from time to time uh, is just truly, truly amazing. Wow. I had no idea that that predated all those other ones. Amazing. It was the first. Yeah, it is really old. And it, when you watch it, if you haven't seen it in a while, you kind of forget it's it is a Christmas special. There is like Bible verses at the end of it. They talk through the nativity, uh, which is, you wouldn't see that today, I don't think. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Well, I'm here to uh, wrap things up with my own holiday special. Um, there's a reason, like like each one of you have your own particular reasons why you gravitate towards your yours. I have one for mine. Uh, mine is the year without a Santa Claus. Did you ever hear of that terrible year way back before you were born? When Santa Claus took a holiday on the night before Christmas morning. It was a It's just impossible for me to stay away from Rankin Bass because it just, to me, those Christmas specials are December growing up. I mean, you would wait, sure, what night this was going to be on. You'd have them all plotted out on a calendar, you know, what night Grinch would be. Yeah, it was appointment TV in a way that, you know, the kids today can't understand. Right, exactly. So, Year Without a Santa Claus, 1974, stop motion animated television special. It was actually based on a book from 1956 by uh, an author named Phyllis McGinley. It was broadcast for the first time on December 10th, 1974 on ABC. And it featured, you know, just like we knew before, Mickey Rooney, always playing Santa Claus. Shirley Booth as Mrs. Claus, who's also the narrator of uh, this special. And then Dick Sean as the snow miser and George Irving as the heat miser. And you've got to know that those two characters are the reasons why I love this show so much. Which one do you identify with more? Heat miser. <laughs> yeah, he's crabby. He's crabby. <laughs> he lives wait, you're heat miser and I'm snow miser. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have a mind to chill your embers. <laughs> The uh, the storyline is it's kind of a sad episode, really. I mean, Santa Claus wakes up with a cold after Thanksgiving, and he's told by his doctor, who doesn't believe in Christmas, that he should make some changes to his routine. <laughs> and so Santa decides to take a holiday and uh, won't deliver any gifts, and he leaves it to two elves, Jingle and Jangle, to try to find proof that some people still believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> so. They- yeah, so, I got problems with this. Yeah, I got problems with right. this. Santa's, you know, he works one day a year. Oh yeah, I'm not going to do it. Get a cold, you, you know, like every, they they move heaven and earth to get him a day off, and he's like, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, what a what a jerk. <laughs> well, maybe. No wonder you live alone at the North Pole. But the best part is, I mean, so the whole plot revolves around the fact that Jingle and Jangle have to rescue their reindeer, their sick and dying reindeer. Like Vixen, they take with him, disguise him as a dog. He gets captured and goes to the pound, and he's on the verge of dying. The only way they can get the mayor to consider releasing their their almost dead reindeer is to promise (laughs) that they can make it snow. Politics in the South, man. Politics in the South are tough. So that's why uh, Mrs. Claus has to go visit the Heat Miser and Snow Miser and negotiate a deal where they will allow it to snow this one day in this in the southern United States. And so why don't you just get the Tutti Frutti snow cone on the hotline? <laughs> yeah. And so we get the two most classic uh, jingles known to man. I'm Mr. Green Christmas. I'm Mr. Sun. I'm Mr. Heat Blister. Mr. 101, they call me Heat Miser, whatever I touch starts to 
what? <laughs> I'm too much. It's interesting because I have owned all of these Christmas specials on three formats. I had VHS tapes because when they came out on VHS tape, it's like, oh my gosh, I can watch this whenever I want. Yeah. This would be life-changing. And then they came out on DVD and you buy the DVDs. And then you come out on Blu-ray and I bought the Blu-rays. I'm not quite sure why I keep doing this, but there's something about having them that I can watch anytime I want. Comfort. Because of what you described where it was just appointment TV and if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. You know, that's, to, to me, you know, there, there's my something, kids are spoiled that way. There's something magical about seeing them live on television. You know, like this is the night. Like yeah, we're going we're gonna to finish dinner early and everyone's going to get their hot chocolate and sit around the television set and watch A Year Without Santa Claus. And, you know, we can stay up. Yeah. And- I agree. The one problem is, though, these days uh, the you're not really seeing the original episodes. They're cut down a little bit. So if you have them on DVD or on digital yeah. – um, you you might be getting an extra song or an extra joke or two in there. That's true. They, yeah, they're they're cut pretty mercilessly to add a little commercial load there. Um, as fate would have it, there was actually a live action version of this same story that was done back on uh, NBC in 2006. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they tried. Oh, to, I don't remember that at all. I don't either. And then it was in 2006. We were busy being adults. Uh, and there's another mm-hmm. stop action sequel called A Miser Brothers Christmas. That was done in two. ABC Family or that yeah. that I've seen. Yeah. yeah, done in 2008, and it has Mickey Rooney and George Irving reprising their roles. So the winds from the north are on time and on schedule. Boring. <laughs> Wake me when it's over. Most of these shows that we're talking about today, you can still find them today on YouTube. He-Man is definitely on YouTube. There's even a, if you want to, you can find a, um, the He-Man Christmas special with special audio commentary by a super He-Man fan. So if you really need to hear the inside story behind uh, Orko and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's possible. I want to see the story behind the He-Man fan. I bet that is a scary story. <laughs> Scarier than the Elf Christmas maybe, special? Maybe they're listening to this podcast right now. If you are, get in touch with uh, Stephen Brad. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, in the meantime, Mike, thank you so much for letting us uh, cover television one more time. I'm happy to do it. Sorry to bring you down a little bit, but um, you know that's what the holidays are all about. <laughs> See, someone who finally gets us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have a great holiday season to the rest of 80s Nation. In the meantime, Brad and I and Mike and the Miser Brothers remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Please, Mr. White Christmas, please, Mr. Snow.